it's the like why him and I was always like why them and I was always so fascinated and like what are they doing in a day-to-day basis in every moment to create the success and maintain their success and just because of my curiosity I got to be like a sponge to their every day and I got to realize like it is about setting intention and being extremely focused on your end goal. It's about making sure that everybody around you is also focused on that end goal. Um, for instance, Drake is probably one of the most focused people I've ever met in my entire life. And he makes sure that everybody around him is also focused on that goal. Hi, everybody. This is Diane Gilman formerly known as the Queen of Jeans on QVCHSN, but now the host, the proud host of my own podcast, Too Young to Be Old. Well, girls, today is going to be a little bit dishy, but that's only if you love hearing insane stories about the world's most famous rock stars. If you don't, this episode's definitely not for you. No, no, no. Stay tuned. You're not going to believe. We've got Tara Stubbins. This is a lady who dropped out of high school and found her way through the power of intention to become a concierge to some of the most outrageously famous rock stars the planet has ever seen. Tara, I live for gossip. (laughs) Dish on, girl. Let's talk about, I want to talk about, this is so hilarious, your epiphany moment with a toothbrush. Could you please explain, Tara? I sure can. Uh Um, So I uh, have at that point had had the privilege of touring with some of the world's biggest rock and roll bands, such as the Rolling Stones, supporting Mick Jagger. Um, I was out. I had been out with Lady Gaga and Kiss and Kenny Rogers. um, And it was about 10 ish years into my career. And I was helping a rock star, which I can't name at this time, but I can tell the story. And one of his crazy requests was every time he traveled, uh, so every time we got to a new hotel on the stop, the tour stop, he wanted his toothbrush to be sanitized in the hotel industrial dishwasher. (laughs) So when I tell this story, I get asked a lot of things. Um, One, why did you even do it or did you just run the toothbrush under hot water i'm gonna Um, assume you did it i did it i guess because of my integrity that's uh that's what i did i did everything i was asked all the time um and people always ask well why didn't you just buy a new toothbrush every time or travel with an electric toothbrush but I don't have the answers to that. I learned a long time ago that you never ask rock stars why. They do crazy stuff that you just don't want to be part of. So you just kind of go with the flow with your head down. Okay, so give me, and I know that you said to me when you were holding this toothbrush and begging the hotel, like you actually had to call hotels beforehand. And if they weren't going to let you use the well, dishwasher you weren't going to be able to stay there but 
That is so insane. So we had um, a lot of hotels knew we were coming and knew to inspect, uh, inspect this like crazy lady uh, holding a toothbrush, wanting to put it in their dishwasher. But sometimes there were hotels that we had never stayed at before, such as this one in Shanghai. It was a newer hotel, very, very expensive. They had like presidential suites. And we, um, so we were there and I had obviously the toothbrush came out of the, the suitcase and I had to walk downstairs to the uh, back of house and try to have a conversation in a language that I didn't speak. Uh, you know, can I put this toothbrush in the dishwasher? They didn't speak English. Um, they were looking at me like I had three heads. It was probably one of the most awkward moments of my life trying to, you know, sign toothbrush in dishwasher. And I remember standing there with this toothbrush in hand thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. <laughs> and that was my kind of like aha moment where yeah. I knew that I absolutely loved uh, helping people. I just wanted to help more than one crazy rock star at a time. However, you have another great story about the walls in the rooms i do so another hotel request this one from mick jagger was that every time uh, he stayed in a hotel whether it was one night two nights three nights we wouldn't stay in hotels very long on tour he wanted the hotel rooms painted a very specific shade of beige everywhere we were went oh my god um, <laughs> Two things about that. One, I recently moved into a new house. It was like a new construction. All the walls were beige. I was like, get these this color off the wall now. I have PTSD. I need color. Hence the green behind me here. Um, it was the first thing we did when we moved in was get that beige away. Um, but uh, we were in um, what was then Mumbai. I don't think it's Mumbai anymore. In a very old hotel. Um, and there was wallpaper on the walls, like ancient gold leaf wallpaper. And we took that sucker down and we painted Whoa. the walls beige. Whoa. We put it back up after we left. Um, oh, my God. Yep. No, you know what? I I mean, money does not necessarily breed insanity. And they say pressure. And who has more pressure than a rock star to perform every night? But they say pressure makes diamonds. But it seems to me that you can get pretty spoiled behind your fame and, and really put up a lot of obstacles for people around you to get through. But Here's what I want to get to. You dropped out of high school, and yet today you are an extremely successful entrepreneur. You dropped out of high school because you felt it was boring, it was irrelevant, it wasn't for you. And how do you get from being a high school dropout to being a concierge for really some of the most famous recognizable people on the planet how does that happen 
Well, I have to say the reason why I dropped out of high school mostly was, so I was very rebellious and I always wanted to uh, go against the system. Um, so I actually went to a private school and we had a uniform and, you know, we could only wear certain colors in our hair and all of that. And I would always try to, well, they say we can only wear black like barrettes in our hair. Well, I'm going to wear black sunglasses in my hair and see what they say. <laughs> well, no, I would get kicked out for that day. So I was always trying to like one up the system. And um, at that point, I actually had a really cool opportunity to, I always say, drop out and join the circus, but it wasn't the circus. It was the rock and roll industry. So I had an opportunity to, of someone that I had kind of met in my little rebellious phase who kind of took me under his wing and was like, okay, maybe the schooling system isn't really for you, but we're not going to let you get on a really bad track, which you, which can happen. Um, why don't you come and work with me backstage at some of these local events? Um, so that's what I did. And then um, I ended up going out on the road when like these really rickety vans, um, helping these like no name, you know, people playing these like tiny, tiny places all across where I was from Canada. Um, so like out in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. I was doing all the grunt work, but I absolutely loved it. And I could see I had this like vision of, you know, uh, maybe I can't be the rock and roll star. Like I don't have any really musical background, but I know that what I can do can really support these people and help them get better. And um, I could see like even getting them coffee or cleaning the stage after like all the very, very grunt work I was doing, I could see that it was helping them and therefore I was so helpful and it was really this like again the kind of like my first epiphany moment where I kind of knew that I was on the right path so how so as you did as you played your role and it was satisfying to you how did you work your way all up to the most famous rock and roll bands in the world like the Rolling Stones at the very height of their power. How did that happen? Because that's a success story all in itself. Yeah, it's definitely what you were talking about is I had my eyes set on I wanted to do this and nothing was going to stop me. Um, I, I wanted to work with the world's best. I was going to, you know, leave Canada, move to LA. This is what I was going to do. Everyone told me like, who do you think you are? You're just yeah. this like young girl from Canada. Like, you're not going to be able to do that. Go back to school, you know, become a whatever, uh, an executive assistant, which I actually am now, but you know, like do all these like office work. And I was like, mm, I don't know if that's for me. Um, but I actually, when I was really, really little, I used to have a t-shirt that said, remember me, I'm going to be a star. I don't know where I got it, uh -huh. um, but I used to wear that shirt everywhere to the point where it disintegrated. And um, I actually so wish I still had it today. Yeah, but for me, when I was when I was really little, I always thought that being a star was being like a rock star. I didn't understand that there was a difference in you know, what a kind of star was. 
And because I didn't really have any musical background, I always thought, well, I'm never going to be a star. Like, there goes that dream. I suck at life. I might as well just do nothing. Um, But instead of throwing away the entire dream, I did hold on to a very small portion of it. And every time I got to those crossroads in life where you have to make those decisions, I would think, oh, yeah, I wanted to be a star. And it would kind of help me refocus on, you know, what I wanted to do and that ultimate vision and really help me make those really good decisions in my life. And I see that with the celebrities that I support as well. Like they have a vision and they are so glued to it. And that's what I believe really drives and creates ultimate success. Yeah, you know, um, I designed denim for rock and roll stars. And these people, wild as they were, they were so immersed in their craft. And I remember also at at some point being interviewed by one of the managers of Michael Jackson. Um, uh, I ultimately did not get that role as, you know, mistress of the wardrobe, but, um, They said, you know, we want to tell you that here is a man who is completely obsessed. All he talks about is being a success. All he talks about is the next number one hit and the tour and every bit of it and, 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 and. And so I'm going to ask you, because I'm not so sure that it really rubbed off on me, But being around top performers who have incredible um, power of intention, which I personally think is everything. I told you I dropped out of college around my sophomore year. And I just thought to myself, what is this doing for me? I know what I want to be. There's not even one class in this college, UCLA, not bad school, but for what I want to do, which is fashion design, I'm wasting my time here. I'm wasting my youth. So for me, the power of intention was just that because like you, Tara, everybody around me was like, don't be stupid. You're not going to be a fashion designer. Just, you know, you need to marry a, a Jewish doctor. That was a big thing at the time, probably still is. So how did the intent of major rock and roll performers rub off on you. And when we think of rock and roll performance, we always think of wild men. I know I have a million stories I could tell about what went on in that industry because I was a blue jean baby in LA in the mid to late 60s. And it was burgeoning, but a baby industry as well. And you were right up close and personal with these people. And they didn't look especially disciplined. That I'm going to say. So how did their power of intention rub off on you and give you guidelines or a model to follow? Well, I think like you, I had intention and um, my goal and my vision ingrained in me. And that's just kind of all I 
all I knew. So it wasn't like I was starting from scratch and it completely rubbed off on me and I went in the right direction. But because I was always really fascinated and like, why do I not have the musical talent to be a rock star, you know, but why is like Mick Jagger, who's dancing around on the stage like a chicken, why is he, (laughs) why is he, you know, famous or I currently work with um well i'm canadian so i work with drake i feel like everyone in canada works with drake um and he is you know one of the most famous people around right now but like is he really is his music really that good like i don't know i'm probably gonna get fired for saying that but anyway um he but like it's the like why him and i was always like why them and i was always so fascinated and like what are they doing in a day-to-day basis in every moment to create the success and maintain their success. And just because of my curiosity, I got to be like a sponge to their every day. And I got to realize like, it is about setting intention and being extremely focused on your end goal. It's about making sure that everybody around you is also focused on that end goal. Um, For instance, Drake is probably one of the most focused people I've ever met in my entire life. And he makes sure that everybody around him is also focused on that goal. And if you aren't, you're out. Like, you are gone. You're not part of his world at all. So I find that, like, um, yeah. I think that's that's good. And I do have to tell you in the strangest way, I always so admired Mick Jagger and his energy. I thought his energy was so unique in particular. And my entire adult life, I have met person after person that has had something to do with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones persona, public image, success, you for being concierge to Mick Jagger. Uh, When I was doing television in the UK out of London, my makeup artist was hired for the last four tours of the Rolling Stones to do nothing but fill in the giant crevices and wrinkles (laughs) on Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. And then my best friend from my youth, was married to a very famous rock and roll photographer, Mick Rock, who yes. did, yeah, yeah, so sad he passed from COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he did a whole series of portraitures of Mick Jagger. And I'll never forget one night she borrowed a dress from me because they were going to a Rolling Stones party that was pretty wild. And, uh, I, you know, so I've always been on the periphery of it like you. And what I saw was against all odds, you had to believe in yourself. Absolutely. No one else is going to. Yeah. Classical training had little to do with it. So I did some research because today the discussion about higher education is always people cheat to get into the top end schools it's so expensive. It's not inclusive of ordinary people. And now you're seeing all kinds of prejudice in these schools. And, you know, number one, Richard Branson, you share 
that one amazing fact, which is you dropped out of high school, which frankly I would have if I could have. But you've also got the people that dropped out of college like me, Steven Spielberg, who I met at UCLA because we never went to class. We were always hanging out the quadrant. I go, no, I'm not kidding you. Um, I, I, yeah. Um, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs. These guys were all dropouts who are now the foundational billionaires of our society. So tell me, did you think to yourself at any point in your career, which has been really stellar, and we'll talk about that in one second, do you ever think to yourself, God, I should have completed my education. <laughs> not not for one second, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I no. feel like once you make that decision, you're just on the path and you're just doing what, like at first it was survival, right? Like, okay, I, I can't go backwards. So yeah. I really need to survive here and prove. I think it's a, you know, I have to prove everyone wrong too, which is a huge driver I get to success as well. Um, you know, like I didn't come from a horrible family or background or anything, um, but I had that drive to, I've made this decision and now I have yeah. to prove people wrong. You know, somebody dangled, it was in my very freshman year at UCLA, which I was not thrilled about. And yeah. um, somebody dangled a free round trip ticket to London, and it was just the beginning of Mary Quant and Biba and the youth revolution, the youth quake and the Beatles and, uh, oh, I mean, the fashion and the makeup. And I had to make a weighted decision. UCLA, which had no classes that were going to help me, or go to London for six months and just hitchhike around and bum your way into every single great fashion situation you can. And my parents never, my whole family never forgave me for that. They thought I was just a wild woman, but I never regretted one minute of it like you, Tara. Nope. Never. So um, talk to me about how you, Let's talk a little bit about where you are today with your business success and then just backtrack from the time you were standing there with a the toothbrush and saying, come on now, uh, surely there's a better way of life. How, where are you today? And backtracking quickly, how did you get there and handle the rise of, of yeah. um profitability and success. What yeah, are you doing so, today? So today I run two businesses, uh, still a concierge business and also a fractional executive assistant business. And they were both born from the idea of just, I want to help as many people as I possibly can uh, create their own success, like all of these rock stars. So I decided that when I was standing there with the toothbrush in hand, that um, there's got to be more to life than this. So I um, got off the road and I opened up my first business with zero business background at all. I was doing some, I was doing some research about like helping 
kind of all I knew in life was high profile, high net worth individuals. So I was like, how can I help more? And this idea of like a personal concierge came up and I went, oh, okay, that sounds cool. I'll open up a incorporated personal concierge business. Um, So I did. And I remember even um, it was a while ago back when like the yellow pages were a thing and everyone was telling me, oh, you have to put like an ad in the yellow pages. And I was like, okay. So I saved up all my money. I (laughs) ran this ad not even thinking like high net worth people aren't going to <laughs> look in the yellow pages and like hire somebody. But um, like, I, again, I had no background. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a dirty roadies. So um, I saved up all my money. And I remember when the yellow pages uh, like were delivered to people's doors that day, I sat by my phone, which was a landline at that point, and I waited because I thought, well, everyone's going to like my phone's going to be ringing off the hook because yeah. the other <laughs> got delivered today. Um, so I, I made some expensive mistakes, but I always say that was my version of putting myself through business school or yeah. college. Um, it was lessons that just the way I learn, I have I have to do things or else I'll regret it. Um, and if they're not good, I have to learn from those mis- mistakes and experiences and move on. Street cred. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that's what I did. And um, I, I remember also craving uh, like a community of like-minded, you know, business owners, small business owners or founders. And back then there really wasn't that community. Definitely not like we have now. And when the first um, co-working space opened up, I was like the second person to join. I volunteered at the front desk. Again, I immersed myself in the community. And I'm another huge believer in successes created by the people you surround yourself with. So, um, you know, there's people that can bring you down in life and there's people that uh, can raise you up in life. And you can have a decision on who those people are and I saw that a lot with successful rock stars. They surround you know, themselves with people. Yeah, their I network. also see recognizing opportunity. Like one thing Mick Rock always said, and it was about Freddie Mercury from Queen. He said, that guy could be playing in a club that had 12 tables but he was playing to an audience of 120,000. He knew where he was going and what he wanted. And so did I. It just took me, me too. Six, 60 years to get there. I mean, no one, I, I, my, my story is so unique because my aha light bulb moment came at 60, but it was all tied up in the power of intention. It's so I, true too. Yeah. I always say yes. And I'm sure you do too. When an opportunity comes to me, even if I don't fit in it, or if it's like for a small audience, I'll say yes, because you never know. Yeah, it can be a stepping stone. So you are very adept and and find time management, one of your most important talents. I have a hard time putting together dishwashing Mick Jagger's. <laughs> it wasn't Mick Jagger. It oh. wasn't him. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm kind of trying to suck it out of you who it was, but I can see <laughs> this is never going to happen. Um, to 
time management, how does that work? And how did time management, this is obviously and sadly final kind of final question, but how did time management become so important to you? And what does it mean to you within the realm of business, entrepreneurial business success? Yeah, so for success, I'm a huge believer in um, creating your own time and your own days that are valuable to you. So a lot of us will say like this successful CEO or celebrity has this morning routine and does this with time management and I'm going to follow along and I'm going to be a huge success. Well, I don't think that works because their days and what they are doing aren't what you are doing. And I could see that again by being around um, people again that I was kind of training, bringing up in the industry. They would try to copy exactly what I was doing um, and it wouldn't work for them and it's because it's it it works for me this is how i do it i'm you know i'm me you're you do what you need to do to create your own success and i started realizing that the exact kind of ways that again these rock stars were spending their days could be a million different ways but they still were getting to success so i was again fascinated and like what exactly were they doing that was all the same um, to create the success. And I found it was actually very simple. It was one, everything they did in a day, whether it started at 2 a.m. or 2 p.m., was that was incredibly intentional on their goal. They didn't waste time on anything else. And I'm a big believer in anybody can do that, right? Yeah, of course, like we have to concentrate on life and doing the dishes and the laundry. But if you can make sure that everything you're doing between those times is actually driving you towards your goal, you're going to be a success. And yep. to me, that's what time management is. It's not about shaving some, you know, uh, minutes off of your morning commute or squeezing more into a day. It's really about being intentional in what you do in the day to to achieve your goals. Oh, yeah, that it that is me. And especially um, in my 70s, where I feel that little bit of bite on my butt of hurry up and hurry up and love every minute, respect every minute, but don't screw around and lose minutes. So how do I fit into the cult of busy, which you say is not not that great for success? I love being busy. Love it. So that's the difference. Okay. Yes. So again, it goes back to, I love being busy too. I don't like taking weekends. Um, I don't really have a hobby besides building my business. Me I too. love that. Me too. Yes, <laughs> I absolutely love it. And that is okay. But being busy just to be busy or being busy, not concentrating on the right things that are actually achieving your goals that is the cult of busy. And, you know, this uh, whole idea of like hustle culture or um, how, again, how many things can I do in a day? You know, we don't, we don't want to do that. That's not good. How many intentional things can we do in a day to drive our business forward? And that is, again, how you can get out of the cult of busy. So I actually don't think you are in that. I think you are busy for an amazing reason. And yeah, I think and, you can all and- own the, yeah, the like if we want to work weekends, if we want to work holidays, 
do it. Like, don't listen again to people who say, oh, you shouldn't, or it's not good for your mental health. Yeah, if people are great about it, do it. It's all that blah, 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 where I just turn the switch off. I don't want to hear it. And frankly, and, and not intentionally, but I went into a career mode when I went on uh, tele-retail where your biggest audiences were Labor Day, Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, Easter, Mother's Day, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve. And so somebody said to me, oh, well, what's your big plan for Thanksgiving this year? And I said, what plan? For 30 years, I worked every holiday. I have no plan. I don't know. So you know what? You have to be a personality that is truly attuned. And I really respected the Michael Jackson manager who said, you know, if you're going to work with him designing a wardrobe, um, and it was for the Thriller tour, Um, you're going to be up against a person who is going to have a super clear-cut vision of what they want their clothing to be, how it moves, how it relates to fashion, you know, street fashion, fast fashion. And you are going to be with someone that eats, thinks, drinks, breathes, nothing but how can I be more successful? One thing I discovered when I left Teleretail December 22 to come into the world of podcasting was, yes, I loved fashion, but more than I love fashion, I love setting a goal and accomplishing that goal. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's what drives success. And you work extremely hard I know <laughs> I can hear it just from the little time we've talked I love it. to get to that goal and you love it. And all these people who think that, you know, you can go and post some, you know, seven Instagram reels and all of a sudden make a hundred thousand dollars in a day. I'm sorry. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work. You have to actually spend a lot of time and effort on your goals. Um, and it, and make some sacrifices too. the big and celebrities I, do it. I also think, um, Just in the realm as we wind down this podcast, higher education. Yeah, okay, if you're going to be an astrophysicist, I get it. But if you're going to go into any kind of pop culture niche, like for me, fast fashion and design, for you, handling fame, um. I don't believe higher education is the key. I believe actually higher education is when you don't know what you want to do. So you stream yourself into something very classical. But we do have a pretty sizable younger audience. So anybody out there who's 24 to 49, what would you give? as your number one key to success? Uh, can I do two? Yeah. <laughs> they're, okay. they're intertwined <laughs> together. <laughs> 
One would definitely be what we talked about. Know your vision and where you want to go. Set your intention and don't let anybody stop you. You are your own human. Go do it. And number two would be extreme focus. So as as long as you can focus on that end goal, we see it in athletes who want to, you know, run the fastest, lift the, the heaviest, win the Super Bowl, whatever it is, we see it in them. If you can somehow form the self-discipline, which is all that it takes to be extremely focused on your goal and you know your goal, your end goal, then you're going to be a huge success. Well, you want to end this podcast with one more little dishy story about a rock and roll star. Please, please, please. I sure can. So okay. um, again, I'm Canadian. So this is going to be a Canadian uh, pop star. Um, but early on in my career, I was helping Justin Bieber, who was um, up and coming in the world. He was still very young at the time, and he was playing a local theater, actually, with not very many seats. And one of my things that I had to do was I had to go get his rider, so his request for his dressing room and his bus. Um, and so I was at the grocery store. I was going through the list. It was all good until I got to Pop-Tarts. And he wanted strawberry and blueberry Pop-Tarts. And um, at that store, they didn't have strawberry. They had raspberry. And so I called his manager and I said, you know, they don't have the strawberry um, Pop-Tarts. How important are these Pop-Tarts? And he's like, don't even worry about it. He doesn't eat them. He hasn't in years. Just like come back, grab whatever and come back. I was like, okay. So I grabbed the combo pack and I went back to um, to the theater. And later that night, I was making like sure that everything in the dressing room was set up. And he was in there as well, just before the show. And all of a sudden I heard screaming. And <laughs> I turned around just in time for a Pop-Tart to be whipped at my head. And... <laughs> I ducked, it hit the wall behind me, um, and he was extremely upset that I had the audacity to buy the wrong flavored Pop-Tarts. Um, and so I learned two lessons from that. Well, three. One, never work with Justin Bieber, who I haven't ever again. Um, <laughs> but I also learned that you have to, your time is very valuable. And I always, after that, said that I am only going to work with people who value what I can bring to the table. Um, uh, and I made an yeah. intention to do that. And the other thing is, is I also realized that I kind of put the manager's opinion in my own hands. I was being hired to do a job. I should have done the job. And if I had done the job, I would have probably gone to another grocery store and got the right Pop-Tarts. Um, so I learned to never put your own success in someone's hands. It's all, it's all you. Well, this has been fascinating. And nobody loves a dishy story more than me. And no one loves or respects or believes in the power of intention more than me. It's how I've run my entire life. So I am telling you, Tara Stubbins, thank you so much. What a unique story and an amazing career you have as an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being on Too Young to Be Old. 
Thanks so much for having me. I had so much fun. I hope to come back soon. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.